Good morning. I apologize for interrupting the joy of Christian fellowship. It sounds very great from up here. If you are visiting with us this morning, you are an honored guest. We want to make you aware of the fact that for communion purposes, everything is prepared in a small bag. So if you have come in as a visitor and you don't have one for communion, when we arrive at that point in our service, would you raise your hand and somebody will see that you get one? Okay, I'm assuming that I don't see any hands, that everybody is prepared. Let's begin this morning with number 38, our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He sings from heaven above with wisdom, power, and our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. Number 71, please, as the deer. As the deer pants for the waters, my soul longs after you. You alone are my heart's desire
Before our opening prayer this morning, <clears throat> number 51, Father of Mercies. Father of mercies, I by day, my love to thee, grown more and more, thy gifts are strewn upon my way, like sands upon the great seashore, like sands Good morning. Would you pray with me? <coughs> Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this day. We're thankful for this gathering that you have allowed us to wake from our slumbers with blood running warm through our veins, giving us life just one more day. And Father, we're thankful for those who are present here who have assembled to worship, to worship you in strength and to worship thy faithfulness. Father, we're, we're glad today to see this day to honor you, even in spite of some sorrows and troubles that we may have. We know that all things are possible through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ who suffered on the cross on our behalf. Jesus Christ who willingly gave his life, 
who was pierced in the side, who was mocked, gave his life that we might have everlasting life. For poor sinners such as I, Father, we're thankful that you saw fit to come down from heaven to save our souls, to give us that chance of everlasting life, to live with you in eternity in heaven. Father, we pray for those who were not able to make it today, through sickness, or through health problems. Some of us that are having issues with finance or whatever the problem is, we know, Lord, that you can work it out, that we come before you with heads bowed and humble, knowing that all things from the beginning to the end are only possible because of your creation. And Father, we know that we belong to you and we honor that and we bow before you. Father, we ask that you would be with us as we go through this service, that we would put you first, that we would honor you, and that you would be glorified in the things that we do and say here today. Father, it is in Christ's name that we come before you, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. To help us prepare our thoughts for the communion service, number 364, come share the Lord. We gather here in Jesus' name. His love is burning in our hearts like living flame. For through the loving Son, the Father makes us one. Come take the bread, come drink the wine, come share the Lord. No.
As we go through life, each of us have experiences, some of them very sad and some of them very happy. Some of them touch our lives for the remainder of our lives. Some of them only last for a day. We're called here today to remember something that took place that we were not present there, but we have it described in scripture. We don't understand, we didn't experience the emotions, the sorrow and the pain that took place when many were there to witness what took place with Jesus. We weren't there to be benefactors of his teaching, but we have the word that was given to us by the Holy Spirit to show us. It should have a great impact upon our life. As Christians, it's the only reason that we are here. If it wasn't for that, we'd just be gathering together to chat and talk, but we're here as Christians, as fellow brothers and sisters, to share our lives with each other because Jesus told us to do that. He gave his entire life. He gave his life for us. He shed his blood for our sins. And that is not the end. We're, we're benefits of that here as Christians, but we should not just keep it here. It doesn't just belong within us. Jesus called upon us to not only remember what he did for us, but to share that event with others so that they might have peace. A couple of weeks ago, Matt gave us a great lesson on peace in Christ. It's the only reason we have peace is because what took place. As we remember his life and his death by taking of these emblems, let's dwell on that and what it means to each one of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the life of Christ, which was a perfect example for us. I pray that we partake of this bread of that life, Father, that's unleavened bread that we would yearn and try to always pattern our life after that example and be thankful for it. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. continue in prayer. Father, we thank you so very much for that shed blood that was given for our sins. We thank you for the peace that we can have through that forgiveness. Be with those that partake. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. We'll take this opportunity to remember the many blessings that each one of us have been given and give everyone an opportunity to think about their giving. For those that wish to give, there are boxes on the back wall there that you can place your offering in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for all the great things that you give to us. Thank you for our life and our comfort. We thank you, Father, for those experiences that we have. 
We pray, Father, that as we give back, that we would give not only of our means, Father, but we would give of our time and our talents, that your kingdom may grow. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen. Good morning, I'll be reading Ephesians 4, 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. At this time, we have Children's Church available. If you would like to participate in that, this is the time for you to go and your teachers will be waiting anxiously for you. Before Matt's lesson this morning, I'd like for you to stand with me and sing, The Battle Belongs to the Lord. In heavenly armor will enter the land, the battle belongs to the Lord. No weapon that's fashioned against us will stand, the battle belongs to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. We sing Being a parent is tough, isn't it? It's really tough when they're born because they mess up your whole schedule. They ruin your sleep, and it takes a lot of effort. It changes. It's a life 
changing thing, especially with that first child, right? It changes everything. And, it, and it's tough, even when they're babies, just because of the amount of, of energy and time that they need from you, right? You know when it gets really tough? When they start to talk. Right? Like, then you, you, you would take those days of sleepless nights, you would take those back in an instant just so they didn't talk. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the first kids, all my, well, I mean, one of the first words all my boys learned very quickly was a word that began with an N and ended with an O. Right? No. You remember the first time a child told you no? I know the first time my child told me no, I was literally in shock. I never expected any of my children to tell me no. I don't know why I told my parents no all the time, but I never expected my kids to ever tell me no. You know, when you tell your kids something, very rarely are you telling them something that's not for their benefit, right? It's not like you're telling them, hey, don't do this because you'll have too much fun. It'll bring you too much joy. It'll be way too good for you, right? You tell them no because you're trying to spare them pain. You're trying to spare them suffering. You're trying to spare them frustration, right? You're trying to teach them the right way, the, the way of the straight and narrow, So you try things, right? I don't know about you, but I, I try things because when I was young especially, I had, I had a temper. And when people told me no, I could go from zero to 100 really quick. And I felt like this is the type of dad I was going to be. I didn't want to be that type of dad. So I did something, I started something that I regret to this day. I still do it, and every time I start to do it, I almost want to just punch myself in the face. I started going like this. Hey, uh, Nathan, go brush your teeth. No. Five, four, three. You know, once you start doing that, they never move again until you get to one. They never move until you get to one. Now I'm trying to explain to them that the second I start to count, you've already disrespected me. You haven't moved when I asked you to move. You've already disrespected Why can't you just move before I start counting? Why do you always make me have to count? Well, nobody actually, they never made me have to count. I did that on my own. I probably should just beat them every time. <laughs> this side of the room is like, yeah. <laughs> this side of the room is going, no. What are you doing? We can't even agree on that simple statement in the church? Come on. I'm going to give you some scriptures. Spare the rod. Yeah, a bunch of y'all just filled that in, didn't you? Yeah. Right? How do you think God feels when we tell him no? I mean, we do it every day. If we don't do it every day, we at least do it every week. If we don't do it every week, which 
If you can go one week without telling God no in some way, shape, or form, whether it's mentally or physically, whatever, spiritually, emotionally, then you're better than me. How do you think God feels? You think he's up there going, five, four, three, hell's right over there, boy. What are you doing? You think he's up there going, you know, I'm just going to start beating them every time. <laughs> he might be. <laughs> he might be. No, I think it's, you know, we get so accustomed to sin, and this is such an important point to make before we even get into this. We get so accustomed to sin that we don't understand the gravity of sin. We don't understand how ridiculous sin really is. I mean, you have God, who's the creator of all, who created you in a very specific way with all your talents and abilities. He's given every good thing that's ever come to you in your life. It's come straight from him to you. And then we look at him at times and go, you know what? I don't really like the way you said that. You know what? I don't think what you're telling me is the truth. I'm going to have to go out and figure this out for myself. And over and over again in our lives, we say, no. That's just what we do. We say, no. You know, I've said this before, but I want to say it again. When you really start to unpack the gravity of sin which we're going to do really quick today, okay? But when you really start to unpack it, you have to understand, first and foremost, there's only one other thing behind, besides human beings that have ever said no to God. And that's the fallen. That's the only thing in all of creation, in all of the world, in all of existence that's ever looked at God and said no. But we do it all the time and we blow it off like it ain't nothing. I'm just trying to be me. You do you. I'll do me. Right? This is my truth. That's my favorite one. Like all of a sudden truth is optional. And everybody can design and create their own. See, the truth is this, and, and, and this is the whole point of the whole lesson. The truth is, you don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve forgiveness. You don't deserve forgiveness. In fact, really, no one in this room deserves forgiveness at any point, at any time. My kids don't deserve my forgiveness. But I love them. And because I love them, I overlook their transgressions. I overlook those times where they tell me no. And in fact, sometimes they tell me no, and I'm like, all right, go ahead, get it. And when they get hurt, I'm not over there going, oh, it's okay. I'm like, should have listened. Then I repeat the thing my dad told me over and over. If you're going to be dumb, you better be tough. See, it takes mercy to have forgiveness because nobody earns forgiveness. You just either have mercy or you don't. You either are willing to overlook what somebody's done to wrong you or you don't. 
You either forgive and forget or you don't. But it's a choice that each of us individually, we have to make that on our own. Because nobody deserves it. Somebody wrongs you, you can hold it against them the rest of their lives. You could. Some people make that choice. I've seen little things break up families, destroy relationships, end lifelong friendships, little things. I've seen big things as well. But they're only as big as you make them. Daniel 9 says this, and this is really... I want you guys to look at this, and and, and he's talking about Israel at a very specific time, right? He's talking about Israel during the fall, fall, when when they were being um, taken to Babylon, when they were being destroyed by Babylon. Daniel is in that time period, and he says this very specific thing, but he, when you read this, I want you to read this and and look at it from a perspective of, this is everybody. This is all of us. This is Romans where, where Paul says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? This is every single person in the world. This is every single culture. This is every single nation. This is every single thing that involves human beings. Everybody can say this. It says, to us, O Lord, belongs open shame. Why should we have open shame? Because we have God the Creator who took the time to tell us everything we need to know. Most of us don't even crack the book. We don't even try to read it regularly. We tell God no whenever we want, as if we know better. And he says, to us, O Lord, belongs open shame. That's why. To our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Just simply for that, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God, to the the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. And have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants and the prophets. See, they didn't listen. They rebelled. They did whatever they wanted. And the only way that they can ever come back to God, because they've already told him no, because they've already walked away from him, is for God to have mercy so that he can forgive. They don't have an excuse. Either do we. Right? Right? Psalm 32, David writes this, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. See, the problem with the world is they don't acknowledge. They don't even want to believe that they have sin. Like I said, you do what you want to do. You act however you want to act. You justify every single behavior you have in this life. It's fine. Do it. But to the Christian, we look at this life and we say we have to acknowledge our sin. We have to acknowledge when we tell God no. We have to acknowledge when we've lost our way. We have to acknowledge when we've strayed off the past. And we don't cover it up. Now look, I'm not saying in order to be forgiven, you need to come up here and confess everything you've ever done in front of the whole congregation. I think that is actually an old school mentality that people should talk about a little bit more. But you certainly need to acknowledge your shortcomings, your transgressions, your stumbles, your weaknesses to the Lord. David says if you acknowledge them, you don't cover them up and you confess them, you will get forgiveness. Let 
Micah 7 says, Who is God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over transgressions for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. You know what's amazing about this? Go read all the other religions out there. Go study all the other gods from ancient times to modern times. Go study all of them. Find one that describes himself the way the God in the Bible does. Find one that acknowledges the fact that we are in open rebellion against him and yet because of his love for us, he overlooks it. He pardons it. He removed it from you before you ever chose him. Not because you're amazing. I hate to break it to you. Me neither. Because he is. Not because of your faithfulness, because there's plenty of times where we're not faithful at all to the Lord. Because he is. Not because of your intense love for him, because there's plenty of times. You know, read the book of Hosea. God says, you're not even faithful in our relationship. Our relationship, it's not even monogamous. Because of his steadfast love. He watches you go out and cheat and cheat and cheat and come back and promise him you're not going to do it again. And he takes you back over and over and over again. That's what the scriptures say. Then Micah finishes with this. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. Now, you go back and you study again. You, you look at these people in the Bible that he's mentioning that I've put in yellow, and you will find out they weren't the most faithful people in the world. It's not like they never made a mistake. In fact, I can't find a single person in the Bible outside of Jesus that didn't make one. Some of them have made some mistakes that we would consider bigger than mistakes we'd be willing to make. How many murderers we got sitting in this room? Moses was a murderer. And you can go down the list of sins and you can find somebody that was a special man or a special woman in the Bible. You can find somebody who's got that sin as well. See, you don't deserve forgiveness. There's actually nothing you can do to deserve the forgiveness that God has already given to you. It's because of his mercy that you got it. In fact, Isaiah probably says it in a way that you can't say it really any better. And when you think, and when you're reading this, understand too that this has imagery for the Israelites because when that scapegoat went off into the wilderness, go read, go read about the uh, traditions of the Jews. When that scapegoat ran off in the wilderness in that, under the old law, you remember that? They had two, two, two animals prepared for the sacrifice, you remember that? One would be for the Lord, one would be an scapegoat, right? And they would release it, it would be free. Before they released it, do you know, they would wrap, they would take red, scarlet, 
cord and they would wrap it around the horns of that goat. So when you saw those goats running around in the wilderness that surrounded your city, every year they'd put one out there. When you saw those goats running around in the wilderness of your city, when you left your city, okay, and you saw those goats, you knew which ones they were. And year after year, the sun would bleach those red scarlet cords to by the time they were dead, guess what color they were? They were white. There wasn't red in them anymore. So when Isaiah writes this, he's not writing this to people who don't understand what he's talking about. He, they have seen it. They have experienced it. And by the way, those goats, they weren't allowed to come back in the city. And it was Jewish tradition that the kids, they would be looking for those goats. When you were kids, you ever have a... Uh, a desire to hunt animals or anything like that? Remember the first time I got my BB gun, it was not a good day. Shot everything that moved. Well, the Israelite kids would do that too. If they saw one of them goats with the scarlet cords wrapped around their horn coming back in the city, they'd all go get rough. Because it wasn't allowed to come back in. It says, come now, let's reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet. You know what he's, not, he's also saying there? It's, it's, you don't deal with just a little bit. We like to put on like we all just deal with a little bit, but none of us deal with just a little bit. We all got tons of sin. We've all had tons of struggle. We are all very far away from the image of God, from perfection. It says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Red to white's drastic. You ever wash red clothes in white? In your whites? When I was in college, I washed, um, I had red soccer socks. I washed them with my, um, you know, underpants. I had pink underwear. And I was in college, I was too poor to go get new ones. So I just made sure I never had to change in front of anybody for quite a while. Second Chronicles 7 says this, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land, this is God talking about things that he did because of the sin of Israel, or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. You know, we talk about repentance a lot, but I'm going to tell you, there is a humility that comes before repentance for every single person. You cannot repent in arrogance. You cannot repent in pride. There has to be a humbleness that comes from you for you to truly repent. That humbleness that looks at God and says, you are the creator. I am your child. I know nothing compared to you, and I am sorry I didn't listen to you. There is a humbleness that comes with repentance. And let me tell you something else. Prayer is important. And my gut tells me the church could pray a lot more. We as individuals could pray a lot more about what's going on in our lives. And I want to challenge you to make that part of your routine. 
The Bible encourages us to pray about everything, to pray without ceasing, to pray before every circumstance. I know how difficult that is. I try to do it. It's almost impossible. Your mind is not always on the Lord. It should be. It's just not. But you won't even come close to that if you don't make it a goal of yours in your life. Not only that, but seek his face. Seek to know God. Seek to know what he looks like. Seek to know what he thinks. Seek to know what he feels. Seek out God. You won't find him unless you seek, but he, he promises you if you seek, you will. You will find. And then turn from, the, from, the, from your wicked ways. Look, we don't get to judge what's wicked. God tells us what it is. Sometimes it don't feel right, right? Sometimes you don't want to hear what God's got to say. Sometimes you don't agree. We've been talking about this a lot. Everybody's got a scripture in the Bible they wish wasn't there. Everybody's got a scripture in the Bible that drives them nuts. Everybody's got a scripture in the Bible. You are flesh. Of course you do. If you were God, it would have been written a little bit different. I'm sure of it. You know why? Because my ways aren't God's ways. Because God's ways are so high above my ways in my futile mind, I cannot fully understand the ways of God. I see a small speck of a gigantic picture, and I sit here and question the guy who can see it all. And then if you do these things, God will forgive you. But even more importantly than that, God will heal you. You see, one thing I see in the world, no matter where I go, is dissatisfaction. There is a lot of people that are not satisfied with their life. There are a lot of people that aren't satisfied with the way the world is going. There's a lot of people that aren't satisfied with, and you can go down the list, their job, their church, their, you go down the list. There's a lot of people who aren't satisfied, their marriage, whatever, the way their kids are acting. Dissatisfaction is part of life. God says, if you repent, turn to me. Cast off your wicked ways. Not only will I forgive you, I will heal you. I will satisfy you. I will change you. And I will use you to do my will. Now, I got two quick um, examples that I just wanted to bring up, and then we'll be done. The first one is the example of the unmerciful servant. This is a parable. Now, truth be told, a very important scripture was, um, is right before this. A very important question is right before this, but I wanted to save it for the end because I, I really think it's, it's one of the most important applications we're going to talk about today. But you've got this servant, and, and the master, he's, he's, it's time to collect, right? He's, he's loaned out money to a bunch of his servants. It's time to collect. They got debts they got to pay off. And here comes this guy, and he's got 10,000 talents. You know what 10,000 talents is? 10,000 talents is a debt that he won't be able to pay off in his entire life. That's what 10,000 talents are. He's got a debt that would literally take him his entire life, if he's lucky, to ever even pay it back. 
And he goes in and the, and the master's like, hey, it is time to pay your debt. And he's like, I don't have it. But if you give me some time, I can get it. Now, that master's looking at the situation and he knows what's going on. He's saying, no, no, no. You can't pay that all. So what do people do in this time? As terrible as it is, what they do? He said, you know what? Go get his family. And we're going to sell them all off. And we're going to throw him in prison because he can't pay off his debt. By the way, just a reminder, people still get thrown in prison for not being able to pay off their debt. Get big enough debt. Right? And the guy starts to plead, of course. He starts to panic. His life is, is being destroyed. His family is being threatened to be sold. He says, just give me some, just be patient with me. Just, just give me some time. I'll pay it off. And the master, being moved by this experience, he looks at the servant and he says, you know what? Just forget about it. I know, it won't, I know you can't pay it off. You work the rest of your life, you'll never have a dime to your name to try to pay me off. So just forget about it. And he wipes his debt clean. Now what should that guy have been doing? Was that a stressful situation? Probably a pretty stressful situation, right? You ever been stressed out to the max? You ever been so stressed out you thought you were going to lose your mind? I think we've probably all been there once or twice. Remember when the relief came? What happened? You were full of joy, right? You had that feeling like you got your first kiss again, right? Thought you might just start dancing in the street, right? Just saying. That's what happens when stress becomes relief, when extreme stress becomes relief. But you know what? You don't see this in this guy. This guy goes down from this moment where he should have been on cloud nine, you guys. He should have been so excited. His life was just changed. A debt that was going to take him his entire a debt he truly wasn't going to be able to pay off, was just erased. That's like winning the lottery. How many people do you see win the lottery, walk out the door, and start choking somebody out? It don't happen. But that's exactly what this guy does. He, 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 goes, he goes out into the marketplace. He goes out into the streets. And he finds somebody who owes him what? A hundred denarii. Now there's a debate on how much this is worth. But let's just say it's a week's wages. I mean a week's wages is a lot. Somebody owed you a week's wages. You... you after about a certain amount of time, you'd probably be stressing that a little bit too. Like, is he ever going to pay me back? So he starts choking him. The guy can't pay him back his money. Says the same thing to him that he just said to his master, which was what? Just 
be patient with me. I will pay everything back to you. I will pay you off. Just give me some time. He says, nope, throw him in jail. Now when the, uh, when the uh, master is told by his other servants how this servant had treated another servant, yep, it gets confusing. He's enraged. Why wouldn't he be? I just erased a debt of a lifetime and you threw this guy in jail for a week's worth of work? And so guess where he goes? Verse 32 says, Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And you should not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And, you should, not, and, and should not you have had mercy. One of those great ESV translations right there. On your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Well, how long was that going to take him? It was going to take him a life out of jail. How long was that going to take him in jail? He ain't coming out. He's not coming out. Then he says this, So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. You know what? It's not just in word. Right? Forgiveness is not just in It's not just being able to say... I forgive you. It's got to be in your heart. All that animosity, all that anger, all of that dissension and frustration, you got to get rid of all that in your heart. You really want to forgive somebody? You have to let it go. It can't just be, I forgive you. I'm going to hold everything against you the rest of your life. That's how a lot of people forgive in this world. It's like, oh yeah, it's okay, it's cool. It's good, just don't ever come around me again. That's not forgiveness. Ephesians 4 says it like this, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you, just like the master forgave you. Because that's who God is, he's our master. You're going to be a servant to something. No matter how you slice it, you can either be a servant of God or you can be a servant to this world. But you're going to serve something. Right? Even today, in a society like America's, we are free people, are we not? Kind of. You got complete freedom of your schedule? If you do, somebody else is paying for it. And somebody else is answering to somebody else, right? Even if you're the boss of your own company, who's your boss? How about the customer? You get to pick all your own times, get to perfectly weave your schedule, get to only work a certain amount of hours every week. Very few people get to live that life. doesn't matter what society you're in. You're going to serve something. No matter what you serve, you're always going to serve something. Right? He says, so if you're going to serve, serve me. And if you're going to serve me, then forgive others the way I forgave you, which means you had a debt you could not pay off. It would have taken your whole life, and you still wouldn't have paid it off, and I forgave you. So don't be the guy trying to kill somebody over a week's worth of wages. And then the second one. 
And I, I, I don't really know how to bring the gravity to this the way it really deserves because I can hit this over and over and over for the rest of our lives together and I don't think it'll ever really fully sink in. But you had a notorious prisoner, a leader of a riot. This wasn't his first action of aggression and violence. This was something he was known for. He was notorious. And his name was Barabbas. And somehow, somehow the leaders and the elders, right, the, the chief priests and the elders, they talked the crowd into, into, into taking the release of Barabbas over Jesus. And listen, this is super important. Some of those people in that crowd saw miracles. Some of those people in that crowd, they heard the teachings of Jesus. You know what? None of those people in that crowd ever saw Jesus do something wrong. So they saw an innocent man that had never, nobody in the crowd could say, you know what? Remember that time when he did this? They didn't have even that. Right? And then they got the other guy on the other side, and, 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 and you watch every movie that's ever been done, and he's kind of over there, and everybody pictures him the same way. He's kind of like, <laughs> he looks evil because he is evil. He lives in evil. He loves evil. He is famous for evil. Why is that important? Well, it's important because this is one of the most important parts of the entire Bible. This is the climax. This is what the entire first part of the Bible was written for, to announce Jesus, the Son of God, and what he was going to do to save the world. So God is fully in control at this moment. He's in control of the crowd. He's in control of the situation. Nothing is happening that isn't exactly the way he planned it. You don't believe me? Go start reading the prophets, because they described it thousands of years before it happened in perfect detail, even to the point of how much he was sold for, how much he was betrayed for. It's in Scripture. And they're saying, give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. You know, you, we sing that song. We don't sing it enough here for me, but we sing that song, he could have called 10,000 angels. Right here he could have done it. He didn't have to wait till he was on the cross. He could have done it right here. We talked not that long ago about when Jesus silenced the storm and hushed the waves, right? And in an instant it went from rough to glass. He could have silenced the crowd too. He just, he just come, came into the city with the idea that we can shut them up, but if I do, the rocks will cry out. Who's going to make the rocks cry out? He could have stopped this. He could have done something in this moment to change the situation. He didn't. Why didn't he do it? Because he was making a statement not just to Barabbas, not just to the crowd, not just fulfilling prophecy. He was making a statement to you today. Because what Jesus did is he took Barabbas' cross willingly. 
You know, Pilate saw it. He's on the outside looking in. He's got his wife over his shoulder, essentially sending him letters, telling him, hey, whatever you do, stay away from this guy. I've been being plagued with dreams about him all night. Like, there's nothing wrong. Just stay away from him. Pilate knew. They only brought him to him because they were envious, because he was starting to take control of what they wanted. They weren't ready to relinquish power. But the crowd's yelling for Barabbas. Well, then what should I do with Jesus? Crucify. So Jesus literally takes a notorious prisoner that's known for evil and violence, famous for, and he takes his cross. And he dies on his cross. Y'all know I stress to you all the time that nobody could kill Jesus. He was the son of God. He was God. Jesus himself told you over and over in the Gospels, you can't, they can't kill me. I lay my life down. I surrender it. He took Barabbas' cross willingly. Did Barabbas deserve forgiveness? You know, is there any part in the Bible where we go later on and we read about Barabbas and how he's had this miraculous change and now he's a leader of the church because he was freed by the grace of God? Now, as far as we know, he went and probably started another riot, probably still was killing people, probably still stealing from people, taking advantage of people, taking advantage, you know? I mean, that's probably what happened. So he took a cross of somebody that wasn't even going to accept him. had a powerful moment that didn't even, took the man's cross and it didn't even change his life. As far as we know. The merciful servant, the question Peter asked was if a brother, now hear me, we expect the world to sin against us, right? We expect the world to talk about us. We expect the world to mock us. Everything you see in our culture today, if you didn't expect it, you haven't been reading the Bible hard enough. Jesus said, they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. They hated me, they're going to hate you. Why? Because you follow me. The world don't love me. The world doesn't respect my teachings. They don't want to hear my teachings. So we expect it from the world, but what happens when it's from your brother? That's the question Peter's asking. What happens when it's from another member of the church? What happens when it's from another Christian? What happens when it's from somebody else who's doing their best to follow the Lord and live the life? How many times am I supposed to forgive that person? Seven times? Seven times sounds like a lot. You have to forgive somebody seven times. That ain't worldly wisdom. The world says, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on but you ain't going to fool me three times. He's already doubled that. Jesus says not, not seven times, but 77 times. As many times as it takes. That's steadfast love. As many times as it takes. No matter how many times you fail, no matter how many times you struggle, no matter how many times you get back up and you promise you're not going to do it again, and then you go out and do it. 
however many times it takes. That's why Jesus was willing to take the cross with somebody that wasn't even going to accept him. Wasn't even going to change his life for him. Because it was really all about however many times it takes. So, have you accepted the mercy of God? Have you received forgiveness of your sins? Have you been washed in the perfect blood of Christ? So that God could separate you from your sin as far as the east is from the west, or as Micah said, as he cast them down to the bottom of the ocean floor. Where are you at today? Are you still living, telling God no, living your own way, pretending like you know better, even though you've got a speck and he's got the whole picture? Or are you seeking his face, repenting, not just being forgiven, but being healed? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in his blood? Have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? God dwelling inside of us, us becoming his temple. And for those of us who have, are we living in such a way that people see it? It's easy to accept God's mercy and forgiveness. It's hard to share it with the world. But that's what separates us. That's what makes us holy. That's what sets us apart. Is that the life we're living? Or are we holding on and holding over everybody's head everything they've ever done wrong to us for the rest of our lives? Let it go. It's not doing anything for you. If anything, it's just getting in the way of what God can do through you. If there's a need to respond to the invitation today, you can come as together we stand and sing. Thank you, Matt. Uh, forgiveness is a very, like you say, it's a key element of Christianity. Uh, we are forgiven and we are required to forgive. So it's not always easy and uh, 
I'm telling you, it's the key to it. So uh, grab yourself a bulletin if you can. They're back there on the, on the uh, whatever that thing, table out in the foyer. We've also got them online. Some of them come in the mail. So grab yourself one of those. A few announcements and stuff. Highlight a couple things. Um, Amber Rapp, Amber's going to have surgery tomorrow in Atlanta. She has a thoracic endometriosis, and uh, they've said that this needs fixed quick. So they're getting her in tomorrow to fix the holes, remove the endometriosis. So please pray for Amber. Um, that's something to her lungs. So it's a tough place. Also, the prayer request for Tom Pierce, that's Cindy Foreman's brother. He has a spot on his lung, and he's going to have further tests. Um, food pantry. Food pantry is tomorrow. Uh, food pantry is tomorrow. Mike and Sue are out of town, so uh, you already know how embedded they are into that. So need more more help. So if you're part of that, do your you know do you can. If you're available, come help. There's always there's plenty more work to be done. So the food pantry is tomorrow. Is there something today? Packing bread or something? Or donut already packed, isn't it? It's all. Oh, there's more packing bread. Okay. Yeah. So more help too. So if you got available. Right now, go back towards room nine or so. So, um, other announcements in, the, in here. The uh, Spillmans are moving to Palm Bay. Uh, usually see them on Sunday night. Um, Bob's health is declining, and they are going to go move with, live with his son to help take care of um, take care of him, help out on that. So there's a little letter from the Spillmans in here. Brothers and sisters, North Brevard, Linda and I have really enjoyed worshiping our Lord at this congregation such love and caring people to gather with. We couldn't ask for better qualified elders, ministers, and deacons here at the congregation. They are such knowledgeable teachers and dedicated servants of our Lord. We hope to be often, we hope to be able to often visit, my health permitting. Servants of your Lord, Bob and Linda. Uh, like I said, they're, they're usually here on Sunday nights. I know he faithfully watches the online videos too. Uh, there's also a thing in there about Concord Street Church Christ over in Orlando. They're going to have their 100th anniversary uh, this year, so they're having a week's full of stuff over there. There's a there's a thing hanging in the bullet uh, on the bulletin board in the hallway. Uh, if you're interested, and they'd like you to RSVP for each event. So if you're going to be there on a Thursday night, let them know. So um, that's quite a quite a deal. 100 years, a big time. Other things. Yesterday we had uh, Calvin's Calvin Noble's celebration of life. Place was packed. We had a lot of people here. We had a, a good fellowship meal and and everything. So thankful for everyone who uh, came and helped with that. Prepared food, cleaned up, whatever. And we're also thankful for the love that was shown. The love uh, love for Calvin that his family showed. Um, stories of porch time. Uh, it's, we all need more porch time. So carry that with us. I think they also broke the uh, our record for YouTube views too. Just in, if anybody's interested, so um, announcements are online. Since the since our projector is in such bad shape right now, while the other ones out we're getting worked on. If you weren't allowed to weren't able to see the announcements, uh, Steve made a video and we posted it online in a Facebook group, so it's there. Tonight Matt's going to be preaching again, second part of Hebrews 11, the uh, Hall of Faith. So be here for that, and then on Wednesday. Bible study, 1 Corinthians 16. I think he's going to be on the last chapter of 1 Corinthians. Finally, I'm glad. I'm thankful. I'm not thankful. I'm sure he is thankful that that book is over. So it's been some very tough topics to talk about. So anyways, be here if you can. Stay faithful. Until we meet again. Will you please stand while we sing Be With Me, Lord, as we're closing hymn, followed by our closing prayer.
Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we've been able to assemble here today, this morning, to uh, worship you and to enjoy fellowship with one another. Father, we pray that our worship has been pleasing to you. Father, we thank you for the message that we heard, and we pray, Father, that you help each of us in our own way to apply that to our lives. Help us to be more like you, especially in our willingness and ability to forgive those around us. Father, we thank you for the great love that you have for us, demonstrated so vividly in the giving of your son, who took our sins upon himself and carried them to the cross and died a suffering, painful death. Father, we thank you for that forgiveness. We thank you for the hope that we have because of him. Father, we ask your blessings on those of our number that are struggling with health problems. We especially pray for Amber Rapp and Tom Pierce. Pray that you'd be with them as the doctors and nurses try to take care of them, help those to be successful. Father, we pray for those that have recently lost loved ones. We pray for the family of Jay Bartley and Calvin Nobles, we pray especially for Arliss and Elvie and all their members of their family and friends that while we know where they are and we are confident that they will be with you, we will miss them here on earth. And Father, we pray that you comfort all those that are mourning. Father, we pray that you be with those that may be in the path of the hurricanes that are out in the sea right now. Please protect them and May any property loss be minimal. Father, please guide us and be with us as we leave this place this morning. We ask all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. <laughs> 